tell me the story of Jesus. And I love the church's one foundation. I think it's one of my favorite hymns. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's who we're going to be talking about this morning. The title of the message today is called The Rock of Refreshment. And we're probably going to be looking at a passage I hope is familiar to you. We're going to go to the Old Testament in uh, Exodus chapter 17 is where we're going to be reading to start with. If you want to turn there, Exodus 17. <clears throat> at this point, uh, it's not long in the, in the history of Israel after the Lord has delivered them from the, the land of Egypt with a strong hand, we'll say. He's uh, sent the plagues on Egypt. Uh, the mighty Pharaoh had to bow to the will of Almighty God. And the, the Egyptian army had been defeated. The Israelites had been led through the Red Sea on dry ground. We think uh, many say that's a that's a myth. It's not a myth. That's the truth of the Word of God. And they were God had led them there. Now they find themselves in the in the in the uh, desert area. God has chosen to lead them specifically into a desert area. They don't. There's not lush gardens growing there. There's not a lot of food. And at this point, they've already faced hunger. God has given them manna to eat. He has given them quail that just came to them. And all they had to do was harvest them, so to speak. And at the point we're going to start reading today, they're thirsty. And so we're going to see how God met that need for them. So here we are in uh, Exodus chapter 17. I'm going to start reading in verse 1. It says, And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys according to the commandment of the Lord, and pitched in Rephidim. And there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore the people did chide with Moses, and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide with me? Wherefore do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses, and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us, and our children, and our cattle with thirst? And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people, and take with thee of the elders of Israel, and thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thine hand, and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah, because of the chiding of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us? Or not. These are people that are still grumbling. They've been delivered from over 400 years of bondage in Egypt. The Lord has delivered them with a strong hand. He's provided every need they had so far. And now they're thirsty and they can't see that the God who gave you manna that no one's ever seen before and it fills your belly every day, the God who brought quail out of nowhere in a desert place to feed you, He's the God that can give you water, isn't He? I find it interesting that, uh, we'll talk about this maybe a little later, I, I find it interesting that Moses said uh, in verse 5, or no, in verse 4, he said, these people are all almost ready to stone me because they're thirsty. And what did God say? Well, I'm going to take you to a rock, and I'm going to meet your needs. And they're not going to stone you with that rock, but they're going to get their needs met out of it. And if you will, hold your place here. Look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, because this isn't just any ordinary rock. This rock is a picture of someone that we, we all know very well. We're going to see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul writing here to the uh, church at, Col at uh, Corinth. 
Chapter 10, verse 1 says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the seas. Talking about those Israelites who were led under the cloud of God's glory when he led them out of Egypt. And they all passed through the sea. And then he said in verse 2, And they were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. This rock in the desert, it pictures our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And I'm just, again, I'm titling the message, The Rock of Refreshment. Let's pray before we start. Father, thank you for allowing us to come to this passage of Scripture today. Thank you for calling each one of us to be here today in this place. We thank you for the health and strength to be here. We thank you for a desire to be here. And Father, as we look into your Word, we pray the Holy Spirit would illuminate it, that we would see what we need to see from this passage of Scripture. That, uh, Father, you might teach us the things we need uh, to know from here. And we pray that you draw us closer to yourself in the process. We commit this time to you, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've, both of these passages that we just read from in Exodus 17 and 1 Corinthians 10, they all refer to that rock in the wilderness. In the Old Testament, it's a literal stone. We don't know how big it was. It doesn't tell us how big it was. It doesn't matter. That was God's rock. And God was going to bring out of that rock enough water to feed tens, hundreds of thousands, not feed, uh, allow tens and hundreds of thousands of people to drink from it. I say to you, that rock could have been no bigger than one of the gravel out there in the parking lot, and the Lord could have brought enough water out of it to fill every ocean on earth, because that's the power of the God we serve. So it doesn't matter how big the rock was, but it was a literal stone. In the New Testament, we're told that stone pictures the Lord Jesus Christ. And today I want us to, to, to take a look at uh, this passage in Exodus and see how, how that does, uh, that rock there in the desert, how it does picture our Lord Jesus Christ. And there are several ways that we can see that. The first thing we look at, that rock, it was found in a, in a dry and barren place. These people were thirsty. I don't know how long they've been without water. Well, we know that people can go without water several days. So the Lord may have allowed them to be thirsty for a while now. And they're coming to Moses and they're saying, I don't know why you didn't just leave us in Egypt. We were so much better off there. We were slaves and we were, we were beaten by hard taskmasters and life was so much better there because at least we had water. Wow, that's a, that's a striking argument, isn't it? These are a, a little bit on the ungrateful side, aren't they? Verse 6 says, God says, Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb. And thou shalt smite the rock. Horeb, that, that term, it literally means, or that word, it literally means desolate. It means a place that was dry, a barren place. Well, that's where they were. They're in a very dry spot, you might say. It's near uh, Mount Sinai, where the God would be giving them the law very soon. But He's meeting their physical needs now. And then He's going to meet their spiritual needs. He's going to give them the law of God. God's deliverance from Egypt, it included intentionally a desert path. God knew they were going to get thirsty. He knows us. He knows us inside and out. He knows every need we have before we ever think about it. He had already made provision. He knew what He was going to do. God was not taken by surprise. They were in a place of incredible thirst and there was no water in sight. Doesn't God do that to us sometimes? He brings us to a place where we can't see the answer. And He does it to underscore our dependence on Him, on His mercy, on His grace, on His delivering power. He does that intentionally to us, just like He did here. 
So Moses led him to a rock. Moses, we're thirsty. We need something to drink. He doesn't lead them to a dry riverbed and say, God's going to send us rain. He's going to fill this riverbed. He doesn't take them to a dry lake bed. He takes them to a rock and says, here's the answer right here. I dare say no one in that crowd that day thought, uh, we're going to get water out of this rock. That's why Moses brought us here because, you know, that's where we're going to get our water. I don't think anybody thought that, do you? No one expected it. You know, when Christ was in the world, this rock pictures the Lord. When Jesus walked the earth in His earthly ministry, people that He came to suffered from an intense spiritual thirst. They needed something that He could provide, and no one else around could provide it. And the thing is, the people around Him, the people He came to, just like these people, did not expect their thirst to be quenched from that rock. People who saw Jesus did not immediately expect to have that spiritual thirst met by Him, did they? We read it in the New Testament. They were in a dry and barren place. James 1.11 says He came unto His own, and what? His own received Him not. They, had, they didn't think He was going to... came to His own people, and they didn't think He was going to meet their spiritual needs, quench that spiritual thirst. Isaiah 53.2, in referring to the Lord Jesus, says, He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see Him, there's no beauty that we should desire Him. There was nothing about Him particularly that drew people to Him. There was, they weren't coming to Him because of His charisma or because of His physique or because of whatever. They didn't look to Him when they saw Him as something that was going to quench their spiritual needs. Well, these Israelites out in the desert, they looked at that rock and said, So, Moses, we told you we were thirsty and you bring us to a rock. They weren't expecting it. The people in Jesus' day weren't expecting it from Him either. And I think Nathaniel uh, summed it up really well in John 1, verse 46. The Lord had called Philip, and He had called some of the others to be apostles. And Philip found Nathaniel, and he said, you've got to come see this man. You've got to come listen to him. He's the ones that the Old Testament prophets prophesied. Of. We found the Messiah. You remember Nathaniel's response? He voiced what may have been a common opinion. Because... Um, Philip had told him, you got to come hear this prophet from, from uh, Nazareth. And Nathaniel's response was, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? They weren't expecting to get their physical th- or their spiritual thirst met by the Lord Jesus, were they? And even people today don't expect that uh, Jesus is going to quench that dry, barren thirst spiritually that they have, do they? Because John 4.14 says, it sums it up for us very clearly. Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him, this is Jesus talking, shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be a well of water springing up unto, etern- unto everlasting life. People today don't believe that sometimes. But if they'll put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, they'll have that spiritual thirst met, won't they? Every time. Though they don't expect it. So the rock, it was found in a dry, barren place. And that's where we live before we're saved. We're living in a very dry, barren place, aren't we? Second thing that we notice about that rock in the desert it was a native of the desert. It probably looked like one of uh, any one of hundreds of rocks out there in that desert place. It looked like any one of them. There's nothing special about it. There wasn't any reason for someone out there to pick it out. If Moses had said, "Go pick out a rock, and we'll get the God's going to send us water out of it," there was probably no reason why they would have picked that rock over any other one. They were all dry. It was all hot in the desert, so there was nothing there for anybody to pick it out. It was just a native of that uh, area. By the same token, Jesus, of 
according to what we just read a few minutes ago in Isaiah 53, Jesus, there wasn't anything about him to make him stand out. He was a man, just like all the men around him, to, to, uh, to their sight when they saw him in a crowd. I don't think uh, there was anything that made him uh, taller, more broader in the shoulders, nothing about his demeanor that drew people to him. But when he opened his mouth and started to talk, we talked about this recently. He spoke as one having authority, not like the scribes and the Pharisees, not like the, the other teachers. There was something different about him. When Jesus touched them, there was something compassionate in that touch, wasn't it? There was something different then. But at first glance, he looked like anyone else in the crowd, didn't he? Just like this rock in the desert. We're told that he was made in the likeness of sinful flesh. He looked like any one of the sinners that you would run across. There was something very different about Jesus, wasn't it? He wasn't just in the run-of-the-mill rock, but still, people did not expect him to satisfy the thirst of their parched souls. But people who met Jesus, they were always pleasantly surprised, weren't they? By the difference that, that there was between him and the religious leaders, between him and anyone they'd ever met. Well, these people in uh, these Israelites out in the desert, they were going to experienced something very different about this rock that, they, that Moses had brought them to, weren't they? But the rock was a native of the desert. The third thing we see about that rock, it was chosen by God. God never said, Moses, the people are thirsty. I got a job for you. Go pick out a rock, any rock. Pick it out yourself. Find the prettiest, smoothest rock that you can find. Find the biggest one you can find. Whatever you want. It's your criteria. You go pick the rock out. Did God say that? No, he didn't. He said, uh, Moses, I want you to go stand on, what did he say? The rock in Horeb. It was God's rock, wasn't it? It was chosen by him. Verse 6, Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb. Moses, I've got one picked out for you. It's a very specific rock. It's one I've chosen. It's one I've prepared. And I'll be there when you get there. Isn't that what God tells us sometimes? For the rock of our salvation, he says, go to the rock. Go to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he didn't tell us that we can... Uh, he didn't tell humanity, go pick out a Savior and I'll bless Him for you. Because if He did that, we'd... what would our choice look like? Some people, if it's a young 13-year-old girl, they would look, might look like the latest rock star. If it was an older guy, it might look like... a favorite baseball player or favorite football player or whatever. Might have big, broad shoulders. Might be taller than anybody else. Might have that smooth voice that just charisma just oozes out of it, you know? If we chose, it would be a disaster, wouldn't it? God didn't tell us to choose our Savior. He made the selection. And at Jesus' baptism, the words were this. Matthew 3.17 This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And he said, hear ye him. Listen to him. He's the one. He's the rock. The water is going to come out of that rock that will, that will meet your spiritual thirst. So, the rock was chosen by God. Another thing we see about this rock in the desert, it was, not only was it a rock that was chosen by God, it was a rock that was possessed by God. Again, in verse 6, God told Moses, Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb. This was God's rock. And its power to provide a life-giving water, that was derived solely from God's presence and from God's purpose and from God's power, wasn't it? 
And he said, I'm going to stand on that rock and you're going to see something you've never seen before. Moses, these thirsty people are going to get something they've never gotten before. I don't think they got muddy water out of that rock, do you? I think they got the purest, sweetest spring water that you could ever imagine. And I got a feeling that out there in the, in the heat of that desert, coming out of a, a superheated rock, they got cool water to quench their thirst. Don't you imagine that? Because God was uh, in possession of that rock. If we think of that rock as picturing the Lord Jesus Christ, we can picture that God's power and authority come from the Lord Jesus because of His relationship to God the Father, don't we? He is the second person of the Trinity. God exists in one person, or one God in three personalities. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God the Son has all the power of the Godhead in Him. And so, He is able to meet our spiritual thirst, isn't He? In John 14, 11, He said, Believe Me that I am in the Father, and the Father in Me. We are one. And then in John 5, verses 17 and 18, Jesus, we're told, Jesus answered them, My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill Him, because He not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was His Father, making Himself equal with God. That wasn't an accident that Jesus said that, was it? They considered it blasphemy. And if any one of us in this room equated ourselves with God and said we are God, that would be blasphemy, wasn't it? But Jesus could say those words in all truth because He was the Son of God. He is the Son of God. And so, not only was the, the rock chosen by God, it was possessed by God. Our Savior is God Himself, and we can rely on that. We're talking about the rock in the, in the desert and how it pictures the Lord Jesus Christ. A fifth thing that we see, that rock was full of unexpected blessing. When they came across it and Moses said, okay, I know you're thirsty, just calm down. I know you're thirsty. We're going to go over here and we're going to get water. And he takes them to a rock. Verse 6, Behold, God said, Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the water may drink. Here we are, hundreds, thousands of people standing in front of a rock in a dry and barren place, a dry and barren rock, and Moses standing there saying, Here, we're going to get water. I want you to imagine, if you can, their reactions. Their reactions were probably a lot more like our reactions would be, wouldn't they? And they might have gone something like this. Moses, have, are you out of your ever-loving mind? We told you we're thirsty. We don't have any water. And you bring us out here in front of a hot rock. You ever stand in front of a hot rock? The heat, you can just feel it just emanating from it, can't you? And he says, Moses, something's wrong with you. I can imagine someone saying, the heat's getting to you, brother. We need some water. And that will make everything better. If you can just help us find water, we'll, Moses, we'll, we'll help you feel better. You can imagine that, can't you? I can almost imagine somebody saying, Psst, Psst, Moses, come here. Stay with me now, Moses. Stay with me. Water don't come out of rocks. You understand that, don't you? Can't you imagine that? And then I can imagine some really well intellectual standing to the side and saying, Moses, this approach is never going to meet the, the problem that we're currently facing. Can't you imagine that as well? But Moses, he brings them, he does exactly what God said to his credit. And I can only imagine. We know Moses, don't we? When God called to him out of the burning bush and said, Moses, I'm going to send you to Egypt and you're going to leave my people out. And Moses was like, excuse me, what? 
Moses, I want you to go. You're going to be my messenger. And Moses said, I, 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 can't, I can't talk good, Lord. You know that, don't you? The, the commentators tend to say that Moses maybe had a stuttering problem. And sometimes you're looking at me thinking, he's got one too. Because <laughs> sometimes the words don't come out good. And, and we know that. Moses said, Lord, are you sure you've got the right person? And so God had worked through Moses. He had, he had crossed the, the Red Sea on dry ground. We know all of this. And these people had come to him and said, we're hungry. And Moses got to tell them there's manna. It's going to fall from the sky. Nobody knows what it is. We, we'll know it when we see it. It's going to be shaped like this, like a little seed. And we're going to take it. We'll, we'll grind it up just like flour. We'll make bread out of it. It's going to be great. He had to do that. He had to tell them that when they complained, well, we're tired of this light bread that we're eating all the time. And Moses was the one that got to tell them, well, God's going to give you meat then. He's going to give you so much meat. You're going to be sick of meat. Because that's what you asked. Well, Moses had seen all these things. And yet, when God says, go over there to that rock, and I'm going to give you water, I can almost imagine Moses saying, wait, they're already going to stone me. Are they going to, is that going to be the rock they used to do it when I tell them that that's where we go to quench their thirst? But he did it, didn't he? To, to Moses' credit, he led these people there. He said, you just watch. Then nobody was expecting to get a blessing out of that rock, were they? When Jesus walked the earth... This is, this is a picture of our Lord Jesus, this rock in a desert place. To all outside appearances, He was just a man. Nobody expected anything more when they first saw it. But He was a man that was able to quench the spiritual thirst of generations upon generations of people. He's still doing it, isn't He? This wasn't just any man. That wasn't just any rock out there in the desert. That was God's rock. His chosen rock, His possessed rock, and it was what was going to give them unexpected blessings. There's been a lot of people down through history that have questioned Jesus' ability to meet their spiritual needs, haven't they? They still do it. Uh, that Many people will say, well, He's just a man. How's He going to help? That's just a rock out there, Moses. How's He going to quench our thirst? Jesus was just a man. How's He going to help me? What's so special about Him? Oh, don't you want people to ask you that question so you can start to tell them, let me tell you what's special about Him. He's the Lord of glory. He's the one we sang about earlier today. He's the one who saves from sin if we'll simply put our trust in Him. He's the one who sustains us when things go haywire, when things go completely south, when, we're, when our spiritual thirst is so great that we have no way of meeting it. Jesus is the one that can meet that, isn't He? Some people will even deny their, their need altogether. You try to lead them to Christ. You try to explain to them about how He can meet that spiritual thirst. And so many people say, well, no, I'm okay. I'm not thirsty. Oh, yeah, they are. And sometimes we have to, to, to coax them into seeing just how thirsty they really are. And when you start talking about that living water that comes from Christ and that salvation that He gives, that can whet the appetite or that can whet the thirst of people, can it? And that's what the Lord asks us to do. Scripture makes it very clear. Colossians 2.9 says, In Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That's why we get that unexpected blessings from this man. John 7.37, we're told Jesus stood up and cried, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And I'll quench that thirst. I'll quench that spiritual thirst for it. Anyone who comes forward, He'll do that for him. We know that's the truth of Scripture. So that the rock was full of unexpected blessing. A sixth thing that we see about this rock, it was smitten. Verse 6, 
of our, our text. Thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it that the people may drink. God had told Moses, I want you to take your, your staff with you. Or not your staff, your rod. Your rod. And that's what he had smitten the, the river Nile with, or the river there in Egypt, when he turned it to blood. He said, take that same rod with you. And when you strike this rock, water's going to come out of it. And he smote that rock and he brought out more water than anybody could knew what to do with. He quenched all their thirst. But it foreshadowed Jesus being smitten with judgment for us. That rock was smitten by Moses' rod, not for itself, not for the sake of the rock, but for the sake of the people who needed their thirst quenched, wasn't it? It was smitten with a rod. It was Christ was smitten with the rod of God's judgment. Was he smitten for himself? No. He was smitten for every one of us, wasn't he? He was smitten for us because our thirst, our spiritual thirst needed it. We needed him to pay our sin debt on the cross of Calvary, and he was willing to do that. He was uh, so that we can have uh, deliverance. Those people in uh, the desert that day, that rock was smitten so they could be delivered from that incessant thirst that was not going to go away on its own. A thirst that they could not take away on their own. They couldn't find a solution for it. This was a a rebellious people. These were people who were constantly murmuring even though God had met every need they had. We might say they they weren't deserving of water because they were so so ungracious or un... um, I don't know, the word is escaping me. They were ingrates. We'll just leave it at that. You know what? Jesus died for us. He allowed himself to be smitten for us even when we were that way. We were ingrates, weren't we? We weren't looking for deliverance. We were enjoying our sin. We were enjoying rebellion against God and yet he allowed himself to be smitten for us. For lost people. According to 1 Peter 3.18, the just was smitten for the unjust. God's only begotten Son died for us so that we could be saved, so that our spiritual thirst could be, um, could be quenched. A seventh thing that we see, the rock shared its treasures after it was smitten. Only after, wasn't it? Verse 6, Thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it that the people may drink. When Moses struck that rock the way God asked him to do, water came gushing out. I can only imagine. I don't think it was a trickle, do you? Mm-hmm. I think there was more water coming out than they knew what to do with. And the good part was that even Moses got to drink. He's the one who hit the rock. He smoked the rock, but he got to partake of that water, didn't he? That rock pictures the Lord Jesus Christ. So, likewise, even the people responsible for Jesus' suffering on the cross got to have their thirst quenched if they would come to Him for that water of life, didn't they? We think about the Romans, that's the first people that come to mind. They're the ones who nailed him to the cross. And from the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. But I think it covered far more than just the Romans. It covered uh, Pilate, Pontius Pilate, who uh, oversaw the trial and who said, I don't think he's seen anything wrong with this man. There's nothing that he hasn't done anything worthy of death. He had the power to release him, but he didn't. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. How about the chief priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, the people who arrested Jesus, the people who had him beaten, the people who had him crucified? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. How about the, the folks in the crowd when, when Pilate went before him and he said, uh, there's nothing wrong, he hasn't done anything. What, what's wrong? And they said, uh, 
Where did that, what was their answer? Or, or well, let, me, let me back up a little bit. Pilate said, what shall I do? Who do you want me to release to you? And they said, Barabbas. We know who Barabbas was. He was a murderer. And they said, turn him loose among us. And he said, what should I do with uh, Jesus, the king of the Jews? What was their response? Crucify him. We don't care that he didn't do anything. His blood be on us and our children, our descendants after us. What was Jesus' response? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Let's take it. Let's make it more personal. Whose sins were responsible for Jesus having to die a death on on that cruel cross? Ours, mine, and yours. And what was his words? Father, forgive them. They know what they do. They don't realize. He was willing to forgive us. He, as our rock, shared his treasures Excuse me. After he was smitten for us, wasn't he? Luke twenty three thirty four. We read. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then in First Peter three eighteen, I referred to this just a minute ago. We're told Christ also has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. The rock in the wilderness didn't get any benefit from being hit, struck by Moses' rod. The benefit Jesus got from being uh, struck, so to speak, with God's judgment. He got the the privilege, the joy of seeing people come to Him to have that thirst man. didn't help Him any to get struck, did it? He died a cruel death. But He rose victorious over death. And death doesn't hold anything over us anymore, does it? It's been defeated. It's not something we have to worry about because Scripture says as a Christian, if we leave this life, we will be immediately carried into the presence of God and we'll never be separated from Him after that. That's the treasure that came to us after our spiritual rock was smitten, isn't it? So we see, we see all of these, uh, these things when we look at this rock in the desert and we see how it represents the Lord Jesus Christ. And then when we, when we look through that and we get to the New Testament in 1 Corinthians 10.4, Paul tells us they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. Now, the, the rock in the desert, I don't think it followed the the Israelites around anywhere. But the rock, the, the person, the, the Spirit of God, the Son of the living God did follow them all through their history, didn't He? And we see Him appear. We see Him referred to. Occasionally you'll see uh, uh, an appearance of a pre-incarnate Christ often referred to as the angel of the Lord who appears in the Old Testament. It's a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. He showed up and He followed them around and He oversaw what happened to them. And he took care of them. He didn't abandon the Israelites in their in their desert wanderings. He met all their needs. He met them faithfully, didn't he? Even when they failed to be faithful to him, he was always faithful to them. He always looked out for their benefit. And the good news is, he has not changed a bit. Hebrews thirteen eight, very familiar verse. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is still the one. That spiritual rock that follows his people around and he meets our needs. Uh, He does it every day of our lives. And the people who have trusted Christ will always have their needs met. Again, John 4.14, Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. We may be thirsty when we come to Christ. We may have that unquenchable, dry, barren spiritual thirst, but after we meet the Lord Jesus Christ, that thirst isn't there anymore. It's gone. 
And he says it's, it's springing up in us a river of living water so that we can share a testimony with other people and we can see their spiritual thirst quenched when they come to know Christ as their Savior. Our spiritual rock, He still follows us around today. Matthew 28, verse 20, Jesus had given the, uh, the Great Commission to His apostles, His disciples, and He said, Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So be it. I'm always going to be with you. Our spiritual rock still follows us around, doesn't He? And He still meets our needs. There wasn't any need that day in the desert for any one of the Israelites to go thirsty, was there? There's plenty of water to go around. And I, I still believe it was, it was cool, sweet, clear water, fresh water for them. So when that, that day when Moses struck the rock, there wasn't any reason, any reason for anyone to go thirsty. Today, there is no reason for anyone to remain spiritually dry, is there, with that spiritual thirst. Revelation 22.17 says this, Let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. There's no cost. No one had to pay a fee that day in the desert to get a drink of that water. Moses struck that rock and it came gushing out. They could get all they wanted. They could carry it away. They could keep it for tomorrow. They could come back the next day, I suppose, and get more. As long as they needed it, that water was there for them. When we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, anyone, whosoever will, can come to Him and they can take of that water of life freely. As Christians, we rejoice in that, don't we? That we know it's happened to us. We know our spiritual thirst has been met. But more than that, we know we can take that message to other people and we can invite other people to come because the words are, whosoever will may come and take of that water of life freely. So I don't know anyone's spiritual condition. I, I trust uh, most, if not everyone here is saved, but I don't know that. And if you're here this morning and, and you're not, the only thing you need is to recognize that you're thirsty, that you've got that spiritual thirst, and then come to the Lord Jesus Christ to be delivered from it. God sends, by the way, that parching spiritual thirst to draw us to Himself. He sent it to the Israelites out there in the, in the desert wanderings. He sent that thirst to them so that they would come to Moses as their spiritual leader and say, we need relief from this. He sent that thirst to drive them to Himself. He sends a, a spiritual thirst to people today to bring them to Himself, to drive them to a recognition that only God, only the Lord Jesus Christ can meet that. So if anyone's here today or anyone's listening possibly to a recording of this, you've never trusted Jesus Christ, you can do that today. Right where you are, you can call on Him. And Christians, I would invite you to pray to that end, that there would be people every day who, as a result of the ministries of this church, would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and according to the ministries, uh, as the Word of God goes out in other places, in other churches like ours, that people would still be saved today. If God would only send us a revival, that people could only see that that thirst could be met, wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? We can pray for that every day. Let's pray. Father, thank You for allowing us to look at the, the, uh, the, the events here and... Um, Exodus, as were the Israelites, uh, they were they were suffering an incredible thirst, and they brought that need to Moses as their leader. And you brought it, or he brought it to you, and you gave the answer that you would stand upon a rock, the rock there in Horeb, the rock of your choosing, the rock that you blessed, and the water would come from that as it was smitten. And Lord, we we thank you so much. That picture is our Lord Jesus Christ. We all faced 
a terrible parching spiritual thirst. And you provided a rock for us, the Lord Jesus Christ. That rock was smitten for us. He was bruised for our transgressions. Our iniquity, iniquities, our sins were laid upon Him and He bore them all. And He paid the price for us as a blood offering for us. We thank You for that sacrifice. We thank You for saving faith. And Father, I pray if there's anyone here who has never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, this would be the day that they would come to Him, that they would recognize, I have a thirst I can't meet. But the Lord Jesus can. I'm going to trust Him. I pray that You bring Him to that that time of saving faith in their lives. Continue to bless, Lord, as we go our separate ways. We pray that You'd be with us today. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.